You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Tabletop Gaming. I am your host, Justin, and I am here with my Force and Destiny master, Dan. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome, welcome. We've got a great show for you guys today. We are going to be talking about Star Wars, the RPG. Uh, we've mentioned it several times on the show, but uh, we're going to do a bit of a deep dive and, and talk about uh, just the general aspects of it, and if you're interested, then maybe where you can find it to get into it. Um, but let's start with our Geek Week. Dan, how was your Geek Week this week? Well, uh, since we're still in COVID-19 land, I did download the free version of uh, Warriors of Waterdeep um, from the D&D property. And they, the advertising really wanted to convince people that it was the first true D&D experience on a mobile app. And boy, did it not deliver. <laughs> it was... It's a turn-based thing with cards, right? It's very similar to the Star Wars one that you have, I think, right? It's it's very similar. Um, and yeah, you can buy your way in and spend money on it and get extra things. But it's not even like... There's some like loose... They pay just kind of loose attention to the core mechanics of, you know, the six attributes in in you know in the D and D five E roll set, but it's really not. It's just it's just lame. And the graphics are terrible and cartoony and I'm like, well my kid might my seven year old might like this. Yeah. Um but it it just made my heart hurt that I was like, yeah, Waterdeep, this is like a big brand that D and D is really you know, Wizards of the Coast is really doubling down on. This could be like one of their flagship properties and it is just a gross money grab. It's a super gross money grab. I was just going to say that. I actually played it for a little bit and then just deleted it from my phone because I'm like, I don't have the time or attention span to grind through this without dropping lots of money in here. And that's really what they want you to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to give it a, unless there's something about that IP that really does something for you um, and you don't have another one of those apps in your life trying to tempt you to spend your way at, through a hard part of the game, then you might like it. But for me, I uh, I was deeply disappointed um, and annoyed at the advertising mainly because yeah. I've I've played other games that are much closer to a and d like experience. Uh, you know, on a mobile platform, on a computer platform, and and this one was so far from it. It just, it just, I just ached inside after I played it for an hour. It, it actually depressed me about D and D more than it did getting me excited to, to get into yeah. to play more D and D. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I hear you. And again, that was a a big onus for me on deciding to get rid of it as well. It just was taking up space on my phone. I'm gonna delete it while we're talking. <laughs> Boom. I did Boom. I did I did however after our other episode I did download D&D Beyond just to play with it a little bit. Okay. And it All was right. uh I enjoyed it. It was it's been fun. I'm not in a current I'm not currently in a D&D game right now so I don't have like an application for it but I I poked around with it and and for what for spending $0 I I was pretty pleased with what what it was providing. I think it's a pretty solid uh solid application and I think it's going in the right direction 
where tabletops meeting technology you know oh, yeah? so yeah. but if you're interested in that that's our very first episode folks so you can go right back there a, yeah go right back to episode number one if you haven't listened to it yet um so speaking of which you touched on another aspect of geek week you ran our last session in a three episode star wars session right yep we made it to episode three we concluded the entire story and um justin dared me that i wouldn't kill a player character and i did kill a player character i uh, mean technically you did, I did. but he, he was came dead. back to life he was dead and what i forgot that one of the other other characters had the one game effect that would bring someone back to life if you do it immediately after a character dies, if you do it like the next round, you can bring them back to life. And he had it. And so I was like, okay, well, yeah. it's, it's not on your character sheet for nothing. Um, so, yeah, it's good. So, so, yes, Dan, you're technically correct. You did kill a player um, and but you it, killed them good. Let's be honest. It was way late at night. We were way past midnight. And I'm like, I could bring this big bad guy back in here to kill a few more of you. That's true. But the, the, I think the, the I think I saw you doze off during the game on the video chat. Quite no, I, I did not doze off. I did not doze your, off. I was, your eyes uh, were closed. I was actually looking down at my phone at one point, so that's what it was. Which I was is just I was as there. bad as falling asleep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe even worse. Well, you know, one of one of the nice things though is that I mean, so to be fair, that day we had been putting together a huge garden project. Right. Um, and so it was like an all-day affair thing. And, in fact, we finished with all the house stuff like at 740, and our session started at 8, you know. Mm. And um, so I actually availed myself. So I'm getting in a little into my Geek Week. Um, I availed myself of some of that time during our RPG to do some airbrushing. Yeah, um, I noticed. Yeah, which, that was cool. Which was actually kind of nice because I could listen. I could, you know, and then when I needed to participate, I just would lean over and kind of unmute and be there. But, um it, it prevented me from dozing off, believe it or not. Good. You know? Good, A good time was had by all. If you can play yeah. a game and paint a mini at the same time without annoying anyone who's playing with you, I think that's that's a win for that's a That's a big, that's a double win in my Yeah, point. and I was going to say, and for the record, uh, you know, that's not a reflection on your skills as a GM. It was more a reflection <laughs> on the fact that I had worked myself to death earlier in the day and that I was pretty yeah. tired. So, And I, I know how many, I know your mini backlog right now you have a lot of painting you got to do i'm like well every time he sits down there that's one less i'll hear about oh and i gotta paint that and i gotta paint that and I gotta yeah paint that. yeah but you know uh so you know a little bit more of my geek week i've been getting through a lot of the backlog because i was off all last week uh, my work has had me doing a half on half off so i work one week i'm off one week i work one week so this week i'm working last week i was off hmm. um i was able to get through um, a lot of painting and Good. assembly, and um, let's see what else did I do? Oh, I played the Batman Telltale game. Um, so, are you familiar with the Telltale no. games? No, tell so me about this. So, these are like um, a choose-your-own-adventure, but a video game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so you make certain choices. It affects choices later on down the thing. If you're too slow, you you know die and then it kicks you back out and you start over again it's like you flip back to la the last page you know and um so th they're a lot of fun um there's two episodes there's episode one of batman and then there's episode two i had played episode one of batman probably four or five years ago 
And then episode two was free this month on Xbox's Games with Gold. So I downloaded it and played it. It was a lot of fun. Um, Yeah. And, uh, oh, let me tell you about this mishap this week. So Mm -hmm. this is going to affect future Geek Weeks. Um, Yesterday, I was sitting with my wife. My, My kids and I had just gotten done playing Minecraft. And so there's like an active controller, I think, under my wife's leg. Right, that when the kids had it turned off. So check this out. Check this out. I'm, I'm like, oh, cool. There's a sale on on um, Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Right, it's like twenty mm-hmm, percent mm-hmm. off or something like that. So it's only like thirty eight bucks. I'm like, wow, this is a really good deal. And I look at the trailer again. I'm like, yeah, man, this looks like a great game. And I said, you know, I, I think I might hold off on it though, just because you know. I don't want to like purchase anything right now, just in case we're gonna need money later or whatever. Next thing I know, it like the accept button hits, the PayPal authorization button hits, and the install button hits. Like all like bam, 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 and I'm like, whoa, 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 what's going on? And I I look over and my wife's leg had hit the controller oh, wow. as I was looking at, so it was a butt purchase. You got to blame her for buying something you wanted. And when you buy it digitally, you can't. Re- there's you can't no refunds. You can't unbuy it. There's oh, that's yeah. awesome. So, so my my reaction literally was, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, okay, okay, all right. Well, because <laughs> I mean, it, it's a it looks like a great game, and I'm sure there's listeners yeah. out there that will yeah. avow that the Fallen Order game is awesome. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, that's pretty much my Geek Week, though. A lot, of, a lot of mini painting, a lot of uh, random stuff that I've been meaning to get to. I watched half of Starship Troopers because I'd never seen it before. Oh, wow. And it was terrible. <laughs> you just I need have to, fin- to be in the right mindset, and you have to look at the year it was made, too. I know. I had to finish it, but I'm just like, wow, this is really bad. This is really bad even for 97. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it was kind of yeah. made that way, though. It was made that way on purpose. It's it's a '90s action, you know, popcorn movie from an yeah. amazing. What was it? Who uh, was that? Starship Troopers. Who who was yeah. the writer Paul of that? Paul Van yeah. y- Yes, everybody says the book is amazing. Or is it Heinlein? I can't remember. But every I, I apologize. My geek cred is uh, killing me here. But um, Everyone who watches the movie aches and says, this thing could have been so great if they just would have gone with the books. Yeah. Um, so. Jason and I were talking last week, I think, off uh, off mic after our episode, and we were saying that we had heard that they were going to redo it more like the book, and it looks like production like started in 2011. And so that doesn't bode well for <laughs> Starship Troopers remade to come out. We're nine years after production had started. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a Heinlein novel, and everyone's, you know, and anything by Heinlein is just amazing science fiction. So um, I, I highly recommend um, getting into it. Not that I've read yeah. it, uh, but I, it has only had very positive um, buzz if, you, if you're not familiar with it. So Starship Troopers, the movie, uh, just pop the popcorn and don't, don't feel bad if you're looking down at your phone. Um, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. cool with you. It's, all, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, all right, so what, uh, what news we got this week? It uh, looks like a Vampire in the Masquerade is kickstarting again. I guess we're going right back to the 1990s. Uh, Vampire so this the is Masquerade a... Vendetta. 
Yeah, this is a card game, actually. It's kind of like a deck-building game from that's based on the RPG um, of it. And it looks kind of interesting. I don't know if you had a chance to really dive into the um, Kickstarter itself, but one of the cool things that I saw in this is that under sort of the campaign details, if you um, go to the bottom of that section, they've got links for you to virtually play it right now. Ooh. Yeah. So get in there. Check it out. Yeah. So you can get in there. You can try it out. And the artwork looks pretty uh, pretty awesome. Um, I mean, if you're into, like, the whole crazy vampires and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. You want, I mean, you want a little bit of nerd really trivia cool. here? Yeah. So Vampire has been a card game before. It was a collectible card game at the same time that Magic came out. It came out um, in 1994, and the first version of it was called, wait for it, Jihad. <laughs> no way. So way before 9-11, they even then had to rename it and, have it, and call it Vampire colon The Eternal Struggle and not uh, go with jihad because even back in 1994 people were like that's not cool man that's not cool <laughs> yeah interesting but it was great yeah. it was a great game you had to everybody would buy those little glass beads as their blood blood tokens and you'd have to spend blood to activate powers and if somebody hit you you'd lose blood um i of course i know nothing about this this um a virtual game but it sounds like something that that needs to be played with just a little so bit. again like this is an actual card game like a print printed out you know what mm-hmm. i mean but you yeah. can um download the living rule book right now okay um so you can get in with the rules and you have three options you can print and play download Mm-hmm. You can try it on the tabletop simulator, which I think leads into another news item that you might have. Or you can try it on Tabletopia, um, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. listen, I mean, I think that that's kind of awesome for a Kickstarter campaign to basically yeah. say, try our game, we know you're going to love it, get in here, test it out, and then back our projects because you're going to want the physical version. Well, and it's super risky. It's super risky. I'm going to give these guys credit for putting it out there like that because you could put it out to the universe and if people are downloading it for free they go well why would i spend money on the kickstarter if i don't mind this version that i printed off my crappy inkjet printer um and maybe that's the target audience that wasn't going to drop money on the kickstarter but i'm i've got to give them credit for sticking their necks out this is not the first game that i've heard of where you can play before you play before you back yeah, and I think the jury's out. I think we're gonna have to see how a lot of these play before you back Kickstarters get shaken out. Um, there's um, uh, two or three other out there that I'm aware of, and I, I anything that helps Kickstarter great, or, or anything that helps the the games get out there is great. But if if it hurts sales, then we may not see play before you back as much. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think the draw is a. I can get some cool uh, cool like physical copy right Mm -hmm. and b there's like all sorts of like cool little tokens there's you know maps there's position tiles there's also you know i mean like you get the kit and caboodle with it and so you get the full um, experience 
Listen, I did a print and play with Secret Hitler before it came out, when mm-hmm. it was still on Kit, um, uh, Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and I was convinced that I, I mean, I backed it right away, because it was so much fun, and I'm like, this, in a more professional, like, you know, uh, format, like with a better board than the one I printed mm-hmm. out, mm-hmm. is going to be so much more fun. Now, the difference being that you can actually digitally play it, and so, yeah. Um, but you know, I think they're also trying to create that community. You know, you got a living rule book. You can have a community, and you know, I I don't know if digital is going to be exclusive to physical. I don't think it would be hmm. for the community. You know. Cool, cool, cool. So, well, anyway, the art in yeah. it looks amazing. It's probably a great if you're into vampire and gothic stuff. It probably looks like a great buy, regardless of the Kickstarter, regardless of the the print and play, etc. I think that's. I mean, it looks like a very high-quality game. Yeah. So, uh, another item of news. Um, this is uh, something that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, Square Enix. Um, so, they make uh, all the Tomb Raiders. They make the Final Fantasies. They are giving away two games right now as part of a stay-home-and-play campaign during the COVID-19 uh, epidemic type of thing. So you can get onto Steam. They, it's only through Steam right now, so it's not on consoles, unfortunately. But it's on Steam, and you can download the uh, 2013 Tomb Raider, which is a fantastic game. I, I absolutely adored that mm-hmm. game. Um, and then, uh, so that's like a you know first-person RPG, or uh, third-person RPG, sure. I guess. Um, and then... Um, the Temple of Osiris, which is kind of a top-down um, uh, game that you kind of are running through. And both of those are just a, a total blast to play. So they're totally free. You keep them forever, too, which is awesome. It's not like they'll go away and you don't have digital rights to them in you know like three mm-hmm. weeks or whatever. You get to download it, play it, keep it forever. Um, I think it's a kind of a cool, interesting thing that game companies are trying to do to help... Um, you know, spread awareness of staying home and staying in during this time. Yeah, that's re- that's really generous of them, and it's gonna make uh, send more sedentary, lazy people out of us all. Yay! Woo-hoo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's see. Oh, um, Paizo. Um, am I saying that right, Paizo? I've heard it so. pronounced all the different ways. That's the way okay. I've, I've most commonly heard it. Um, so they announced that they're, they're coming out with a Pathfinder beginner box, um, much akin to the D&D starter kit, right? So it's an adventure in a box. It comes with some pre-gen things. Um, they've got uh, like an a 80-page hero's handbook that's like for all the rules and character generation if you want to kind of do your own thing. Um, it's got a Game Master's Handbook as well, which is kind of awesome. It's got uh, 20 pages of monsters in there. Uh, let's see, they got, they've got they uh, got 100 character and monster pawns that you can use on, so they're kind of, they're not really a meeple, um, but they're kind yeah, of like little, uh, like, Pawns are very pawns. useful. I mean, yeah, they, absolutely. I, I've got a little collection of my own, and, and um, they are very, very handy, considering how much work it is to deal with minis. Um, you know, you can throw a hundred pogs in a plastic bag and be good to go for hours and hours and hours. Try throwing a hundred minis in a plastic bag and not having yeah. to sort through them. 
Yep. And uh, let's see. It comes with some reference cards for players and also a complete set of dice. A D20, D12, D10, D8, D6, and D4. So, so I have no RPG dice. I have nothing against Pathfinder, except I had kind of a, a an unfortunate Starfinder experience at uh, Gen Con last year, and that's a tale for another day. But I've said it before, and I'll, now anybody who's listening who likes Pathfinder is going to burn me an effigy on my front lawn for saying this <laughs> out loud. The difference between D&D and Pathfinder is the exact equivalent difference between vanilla ice cream and vanilla bean ice cream. You could say, look, it's different. It has little flex in it. Look how different yeah. it is. And I'm yeah. like... Guys, I don't care how you want to. Don't try to convince me. It's just D&D. Well, and it was designed that way. Pathfinder 1 was designed to say, D&D 3.5 was pretty great, everybody. That's it, right? Let's tweak yeah. it and keep it going. So for me, the fact that there's that there's a beginner box, much like there's been a beginner box for D&D, and there's like four beginner boxes now, yeah. is just more the more proving the uh, in my mind that the difference between Pathfinder and and D and D, I don't care what edition you're talking about. Is the difference between vanilla and vanilla bean ice cream? If you ever yeah. wanted to explain Pathfinder to somebody, you'd say it's D and D. People say, "Well, what's different?" You'd be like, "Well, you know, there's area effect things, and <laughs> the yeah. feats are yeah. different, and the talents are different, and there's, you know, uh, grappling rules are very." It's like, dude, they're exactly <laughs> for the rest of the planet Earth. <laughs> almost ir- irrecognizably identif- yeah. identical to each other. Yeah, they uh, they kind of are, and, and, and you hit it right on the head, right? Pathfinder was created by dudes who really loved D&D 3.5 and wanted to keep that party going when D&D sort of went off into, you know, edition, 4th edition and, uh, you know, eventually 5th edition. Now, there is Pathfinder 2.0, and I couldn't even tell you what the difference... I, I have I have never played Pathfinder before, but there's some hardcore people out there that love it. And if so, you love it, good on you. Keep playing it. Yeah. And don't don't burn me an effigy on my front lawn. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to down your game. I think the more people that are playing them, the better. It's just if that's you know if it's the version between if you're paying attention to the difference between rock and hard rock and rock and you know you're, they're just fine gradations where a person who's just a little bit more removed. Those fine gradations are become less and less relevant. But if if you're a Pathfinder fan, you're a Pathfinder fan. Go go enjoy and um, and I will I'll, I'll bitch about the lousy uh, game master I had at, um, uh, at 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 Gen Con on another on another podcast. So this this has again two books. It has the Hero's Handbook that's eighty pages, ninety six page Game Master's Handbook. It's got you know. Um, dice. It's got some other stuff. I don't think this is going to be the twenty dollar D and D starter kit that you're no, going to find at no. Target. It's probably I, thirty forty. Yeah, I was going to say thir- uh, probably forty to fifty range. And I you got to ask yourself, who's who's their real who's their real target audience if the if the barrier to entry is so high. So right. we'll see when the pricing comes out. I'm. We'll talk about some other star, uh, some other starter kits from games I'm more familiar with, and how the low barrier to entry is 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 a really great gateway drug to, to get people into the game. I was gonna say like if it's cheap enough, if it's in the thirty dollar range, I may pick it up. Just just because it's another system that we could try out. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, and um, I'm I'm open to playing Pathfinder two. I mean, I, yeah. I I know enough about Pathfinder one to make these broad generalizations, but I, I I'm kind of a a um, a blank canvas when it comes to Pathfinder two. Yeah. So uh, in terms of other boxes that are coming out, um, there's a new Warhammer 40k box set that just dropped from Games Workshop, and it's Space Wolves versus Orcs. Uh, the models in it are absolutely amazing. Um, it's got some, it, it, it works in conjunction with some of the new books that have come out. Um, everything that I'm hearing from everybody is that this looks like it's going to be a great set. I mean, there's some hardcore Space Wolves guys out there that love their mar- Space mar- space Wolves Space Marines. And, um, you know, there's people who just love orcs. And the, the boss from the orc, um, he is um, uh, uh, Gazkol. Uh, and Gaskell Thraka, and he his model is just like he's a giant mech orc, like he's got these huge like industrial claws, like a four like rocket launcher arm, you know, like he's just humongous and amazing, nice. and like totally fits within the theme, and it's gonna be awesome. Like it looks like a great uh, great starter box. So if you wanted to get into forty k, it's probably a great box to get. Go find somebody, split it. Someone who wants space wolves, someone who wants orcs, and then just you know, um, split it up. It's called the Wolf and the Beast, and it looks awesome. Hey, so, once yeah. again, lowering barriers to entry gets more people involved. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So Dan, a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, there was some um, Fantasy Flight game news about RPGs that came out, and yep. I've been saving it for you oh, to talk about it because you called it. it. You called it. Well, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I called it wrong. Um, I thought that uh, they would, um, that they, that FFG would, um, well, I, we were, you know, considering whether or not they were consolidating the different product lines from their different companies because Asmodee owns a bunch of companies and the company that owns Asmodee owns a bunch of companies. And when, so they're consolidating their RPGs into a company out of Spain called Edge Entertainment. And there is a, uh, if you go on their website, you will uh, see the announcement that they love RPGs and they're looking forward to taking over Star Wars RPG Genesis and, and uh, L5R, um, Legend of the Five Rings, which is great news. I was more pessimistic. I thought they would just stop printing them and it, they would just disappear into the ether um so i'm very very pleased that um the books will continue to be printed so the run on the books was just a temporary thing i almost got my full complete collection uh i had a guy uh, try to i bought one off of ebay to complete the last book in my collection and then magically the post office never got it so he gave me a refund and i'm like okay i know you decided to sell it to somebody else for twice as much i get it exactly exactly but that's okay that's okay that's okay well he gave me a refund the day i i I mentioned it never showed up wink 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 so anyway (laughs) long story short um I am worried about the quality of the games coming out of Europe um, because we have a lot of non-native English speakers writing um, the new supplements. There's a bit—I have a bit of a worry there, but I, I, I'm glad there's the 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 beast is still breathing and alive. It's just it's just being kept in a zoo overseas, so um, it's all it's all good news. And um, 
And for, for folks that have been really investing in that game, they don't have a dead RPG on their shelf. They have one yeah. that's alive and well. And that goes for Genesis and Legend of the Five Rings. And I'm looking forward to actually playing Legend of the Five Rings. I hope I can get into a session at Gen Con this year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think um, I think that uh, a, someone taking it over is a good thing, even if it's just for reprinting, right? Yeah. So that yeah. it just doesn't doesn't peter out and die. So, yeah. um, so that was good news. That was, I mean, I, I thought it was good news. Anyway. It's, it, it was, and I was shocked. I was telling everybody, buy them now. They're gonna be gone by the end of the year. And I was yeah, wrong. Exactly. I was wrong. <laughs> I'm, I was very happy to be wrong. That was good. Yep. All right. So, a lot of stuff is getting canceled. Yeah. Because of COVID nineteen. Uh, Critical Role announced they're not broadcasting because they don't want to have ten people in the same room together. Uh, I would have thought that they would have just kind of like dialed in. I know. Because <laughs> it's I mean to be honest with you I mean like there are so many people that watch that that I mean it's almost like one of those things that it's like. Please give us something to watch while we're stuck in our house. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I think they're being a bit over dramatic about it, but then that's very consistent with that crowd of folks. Yeah. So I mean, all you have to do is have uh, well, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, just do a video chat version of it. Maybe maybe there's good reasons why they can't do that. Well, that would mess up their their flow or their feng shui of what they want to produce yeah. and. They have very high standards of what they want to produce. So if they want to halt production and turn off their money spigot, okay. I mean, it's their, it's their deal, right? But yeah. I would have just thought that they would have found an alternate, alternative uh, you know, option. But I, w- I would have hoped that they would have demonstrated that the world can still spin, even in, the, even in these trying yeah. times. But, yeah. but, hey, they probably have their own lives and families and other things they have to pay attention to. And, you know, it's not, you know... They need to go to their jobs and make money because the twenty million dollars they made off their Kickstarter is not paying the bills. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry. All right. The UK Games Expo has um, has announced they'll postpone the Birmingham UK convention until August twenty one to August twenty three. UK Games Expo is one of the largest conventions in the world, and that is a big big deal yeah yeah so uh that is the equivalent of um it's a it's up there in the top three four or five conventions on the planet up there with gen con and the one in europe that the one in germany that names is essen i think it's called escapes me at the moment that one has been postponed at least it's not canceled yeah gary con gary gygax's son luke he fair uh he um created Gary Khan back in 2008. Um, it was supposed to be March 26 to March 29 in Lake Geneva, where Gen Con comes from, Gen and Geneva. That has been straight up canceled. Steve Jackson Games announced the cancellation of the second annual Fenord Con, originally scheduled for April 3rd, April 5 in Austin, Texas. So I'd never actually heard of a Fenord Con, but uh, cool. Yeah. Um, it's Steve Jackson Games. They're a big deal, and if they... They're not, they're not getting together. That's a thing. And Adepticon, which you are very familiar with in yeah. Illinois, March 25th to March 29th, that is straight up canceled. That's got to be a kick in the guts, too. Oh, for a lot of people. a lot of, I mean, that's probably the between the Nova Open, Adepticon, and the Las Vegas Open. Like Those are like the big 
majors, big major tournaments in um, the U.S. for uh, Warhammer, you know. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing about it, though, is that Games Workshop does big reveals at these larger conventions, you know, so like yeah. their new battle box or something that, that's coming out, and they're going to do it virtual, I think, on Monday. Um, and just kind of announce it to everybody that you can yeah. dial in and now watch it because they're still gonna they still want to sell their stuff obviously yeah yeah they're not gonna delay a product line until Nova open that doesn't make, right. sense, make any sense right. um, FFG like we were just talking about they suspended all organized play until at least June 1st maybe later so they support a, there's a lot of organized play that's a big arm of FFG and the fact that they're they're putting the brakes on everything is is no small event there's some other conventions that may be forced to cancel um, Paizo Con scheduled for May 22 to May 25th is still scheduled to go on in Seattle Washington in oh one of gosh. the hot zones that's not happening I Let's really it's like <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to make fun of the Paizo guys in two podcasts. Uh, but <laughs> if if you're gonna, oh. if you don't have two brain cells, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'll shut up. I'll shut up. I'm sure they're great. I'm sure they need to make their ends meet and put put their convention on. Um, it's just such an epicenter up there. So it's just yeah. like that's the one place people won't want to go. Um, Aside from maybe like New York, but yeah. They have, all of these conventions have so much money tied up into non-refundable deposits on all these venues. And all these venue guys are not just going to pat everybody on the head and say, no, we won't pay our mortgage this this month because people aren't showing up to your your PaizoCon. You know, I've wondered, I bet 50-50 on those, on some of those things. I bet I bet some of them are given like at least maybe a partial refund or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but because because that would be a real jerk move to take everybody's movie or money and be like, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, and, it's a part of the economy, though. You know, I mean, w- when you're paying something, somebody's earning money to pay for food for their table. Exactly. You know? Somebody has to lose in this equation, and if if you know these conventions push that all the way back to the uh, to the co- a- a- attendees, like, are the attendees going to be the people that are stuck empty-handed? And quite frankly, uh, as a Gen Con attendee, I am a little worried and a little nervous that this will um, v- dramatically hurt uh, Gen Con if it persists through the summer. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm still optimistic that it won't. But um, Origins Game Fair is currently scheduled for June 17th to June 21. They're going to make a go/no-go no go decision on May 1st. Yeah. So we got a little over a month for them, and that'll be a huge bellwether. If Origins Game Fair, you know, if everybody's showing up in masks or uh, the att- uh, uh, the attendee um, numbers are way down, we're really going to it's really going to tell us a lot about how Gen Con is going to going to fare because Origins Game Fair is like pre-Gen Con and everybody knows that and I, I'm still mad I've never gone and I wanted to go every year but I have a spouse who only has so much tolerance for my gaming addiction. So I'm going to be honest with you, if it's a go this year, I'm probably going to go. And the reason why is that my brother lives in Columbus and because our school, our kids' school has been canceled for the rest of the school year, 
Um, I don't have to deal with end of school year craziness. Like yeah. we're dealing with end of school year craziness right now. Yeah. So, um, and like sports and stuff has been canceled. So all of a sudden, my my schedule during that time frame has freed up considerably. So if they decide that it's a go, I think I'm going to get my brother and we're going to go check it out. Right, and and I think in June we'll know whether or not this this virus is run its course or if it's still hot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, I, you know what? If if things are looking good, I might want to go, but I know I'll get vetoed. So let's not even talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. So there's a just in the last bit of news. There's a couple tabletop simulator options that are um, that are uh, freeing up. Um, Fantasy Grounds on Steam has a 75% off sale, so there you can get on their um, their virtual D&D table or, or RPG tabletop for about 10 bucks, um, or 50% off their Ultimate License bundle for about 74 bucks. So um, if you all are really enjoying and really want to double down on the on that, uh, that might be a great option for you. Roll20 has released multiple products for free, and they have increased its server capacity to compensate for the additional load. And this is really exciting to me that Roll20 has that kind of muscle that they would be able to, financial muscle, and to be able to spin up those servers in the cloud to compensate. Yeah, we talked about Roll20 a little bit last week and um, how they've come a long way since their Kickstarter. Oh, man. I've been on and off of Roll20 over the years, and... I've never really had a problem with it, but I could see how a lot of TLC and a lot of users could really, you know, obviously improve that platform. Yeah. There's one more called Astral. Uh, they've made their paid features um, and will upgrade all accounts to Pro until the end of April. That's really cool of them. Astral has, uh, for you, uh, they have built in Shadows of the Demon Lord. Oh, nice. Um, in an automated way. So they have the automated um, character sheet. Um, so it's not as uh, so you're not hopping back and forth between the digital and the, oh, that's and the analog as much. So I'll I know, check that out. Yeah, I was looking at the they 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 support about six systems, and I saw Shadows of the Demon Lord on there. I wanted to make sure that was on your list. Nice, awesome, awesome. Wow, that was a lot of news to get through. But you know what? Like it's uh it, it's interesting to see how. Um, some of our news stories have shifted from, you know, big events that are coming up to how can we continue to game in this time of uncertainty, you know, and, um, I think it, I think it's very interesting and I think it shows that, um, you have a community of gamers that are very interested and committed to still playing games despite what's going on maybe in the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it... The whole point of enjoying gaming, at least from the analog side, is that personal connection. Yeah. And and basically, if unless you're playing with the six people in your house, you're 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 missing that unless you, you do an alternative means over using technology. Right. Yep. So let's get into Star Wars, buddy. Um, you just ran. I, I thought it was a, a good topic to talk about right now because, like we said, you just finished up your three-story arc that we had going for us, and um, I thought it would be good to do one of our first game reviews of the Star Wars RPG system. So uh, let's talk about the IP. You are a huge Star Wars fan, 
huge Star Wars fan. I have fan. real problems. Um, big problems. You ha- yeah. <laughs> One could say addict, but that's, I mean, that's not strong that's fair. enough no, verbiage, that, that's, I think. That's, no, I don't think addict is strong. I think you've got to come up... <laughs> Um, you've got to come up with a, a, a deeper, more pejorative phrase to really exactly. capture it. And I would exactly. be okay with it. I'd be like, mm, yeah, you're pretty much right. <laughs> so um, in terms of the IP, um, how do you feel that Fantasy Flight Games has handled the Star Wars IP in terms of a game system? Okay, so just so everyone knows, I go back to the original Star Wars role-playing game from uh, the late 1980s. It was the thing that got me into tabletop gaming. I did not start playing D&D first like everybody else. I started playing Star Wars first. And the, the barrier to entry was pretty low. They just had one core book that was pretty, it was probably about 100 pages, and then one source book for a long time. It took them a while to start putting out those products, and so and that I was, was a D twenty game, right? It was not the first one was D six, and so oh, here's wow. another okay. fun thing about that. That old system was uh, all you had to do was buy the book, and if you had two or three board games with D sixes in your house, you could ape those dice and you could start playing, um, which was pretty great. And D sixes were easy to come by if you go to places where people were selling craps dice. They would work just fine. In a pinch. <laughs> which in you growing up in Las Vegas. It was not hard to get your hands on some D. Now, trust me, if you got to roll 8d6 with those sharp craps dice, it's not as fun, to be quite honest. Um, but there's there, there's a lot to be said for, for this. So I played that. I, I played it and I ran it for all the way from being a, a very, very young man all the way through college um, and a little bit in graduate school as well. So I played it a long time. And during that... During that period of time, Wizards of the Coast got the license and they put out um, their D20 version. It was heavily based on the uh, 3.0 and 3.5 version of D&D. And the, it was called, um, there was, there's the the Star Wars um, Star Wars RPG and the revised core rulebook. They went and cleaned it up a little bit. And then they came out with a third version of the, of the D20 game called Saga which I bought every book and we played the heck out of it and because we we liked it and it was a it was the best of the D20 versions. If you want to I know a lot of people online are like how can I turn 5E? How can I get 5E? How can I skin it for Star Wars? I just say just play Saga. It is pretty much there. Don't sweat it. Because yeah. there were a lot of ideas they were road testing in Saga that they so they would test stuff out in saga edition and slip it into 4e and they would road test ideas slip it into saga and that or road test it in saga and then slip it into 5e so this when you're playing 5e and you're rolling with advantage and disadvantage guess where that came from all the game mechanics and talents that were like okay roll 2d20 pick the high or roll 2d20 and pick the low so we'd already been doing that forever you know interesting Um, it just wasn't it wasn't as much of a core mechanic. So, if you want to know how D and D five E came up with their spell system that everybody hated, they they developed that inside of um, the Star Wars RPG for Saga first. So, it was a great game. So anyway, when uh, FFG got the license, I was so skeptical. Yeah. Because I thought we had reached the pinnacle, and I had made an investment, and I was like, oh, I don't want to start over. But it was Jay, who's on our podcast. He said, well, you know, we need to try out some, we need to get our gaming group back together. Let's just buy the $20 beginner game and just play through the beginner game. 
and see how that goes. And FFG puts out a fantastic $20 beginner game. It's so, a really good one. It's a, it's a really good one. You got custom dice. You got full color books. I know they're, sell, they're making those at cost. And the f- character sheets are gorgeous with full color artwork that's very engaging. And the, 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 those folio pages explain the game, tell you what the symbols mean. And then you turn the page and now you're like, now you've leveled up. You can check this box or this box and you can raise this stat or this stat. And so yeah. by the time you've played through an evening, you've taken on a character, you've leveled the character up. And, and it's great. So the beginner games are so good, they came out with one for each of the three lines, plus there was a Force Awakens beginner game that they released. I recommend all four of them. I own three of the four, and they are um, they're just fantastic. And you ran, a couple of years ago, ran the Force and Destiny one with us at uh, our little local Con. Yes. And, man, that was such a fun game. It was so much fun. Like, you're playing these characters that are, like... I mean, and this is... They're really good about this in the starter kits, right? The characters are a little OP, right? Mm-hmm. Like just a you're, little. You're just a little. I mean, not, not too much, but they're a little mm-hmm. OP because you can go in there and you can have a great fight, and you're like, man, I feel like a superhero in here, yes. you know? Yes. And you walk away thinking, that was a lot of fun. I literally felt like a superhero. Um you know, because yeah. we were doing some crazy stuff. Like, remember, J- <laughs> I think in our game, Jason had force. He, he there was a guy behind a rock, and I didn't have line of sight, and I was like the sniper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he did a, a force raise where he lifted him up off the ground with a, his force <laughs> power, and then I shot him through the head. Yeah, remember? Oh, yeah. it was just so epic. Yeah, that was know? that was some creative GMing to go. Yeah, just go with that rule, and that's kind of the yes and RPG. You know, if somebody right, has a right. great idea. The answer is to not start with a no, but start with a yes, and figure out a way to make that make that role possible. But yeah, there we got to a yes that night. It was good. It was good. Um, it, uh, it, it's just uh, the, the beginner games are great. So if after this review you're interested in playing, but you don't want to really invest, there's four beginner games. You know, if you're into the sequel trilogy with you know Ray and and Finn and Poe, you can jump into the Force Awakens. If you're into the the world of Han Solo and Chewie and the bounty hunters and Mandalorian, there's Edge of the Empire for you. If you really love the military aspect of Star Wars, there's Age of Rebellion. And Force and Destiny, if, if you really want to play Force-sensitive characters and, and go through that the, the large space opera drama of what does the Force mean for, um, for you and your character and stuff. And so those are the three lines. Now, you don't have to buy all three lines to play the games. This is a really important point for those who may not be familiar. Uh, you only have to buy one core rulebook. So there's an Edge of the Empire core rulebook, a Force of Destiny core rulebook, and an Age of Rebellion core rulebook. Okay? All you need is one. Um, if you're, and you'd be like, well, what am I not getting? If I buy one, are there pieces that you're not getting? There's a few things, but the things that are unique to each of the core rule books are unique to the different flavor of the game. Because if you want to, if, if your friends are like, yeah, I want to, I'm, I want to do a paramilitary thing. I want to be in the rebellion and I want to make sure, you know, we're going in and, 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 and we're freedom fighters and, and they're all driven by that. 
there's rule sets in Age of Rebellion to reinforce that, to say, okay, you're part of a larger military, Mm -hmm. and as you fulfill the duties that they've given you, then there's good things that'll come your way. If you're Edge of the Empire, everybody starts off like Han Solo. Somebody, you have to, you owe somebody something somewhere. You've got a a negative thing happening to your character called an obligation, which is a lot of fun. And it really engages all the players very quickly into the story because the GM is encouraged to pull in those obligations and affect the narrative that way. And they're not always bad. They they tend to be more fun than bad. But because you take on obligation, you also get some extra XP, or you get to start with a pot of money, or you get to start with a ship that you can't afford. So obligation is actually super fun uh, force and destiny as you can imagine has to track where you are getting closer or further away from the light side or the dark side so there's a morality mechanic there and that um and that can be fun too as you make certain choices with your character if you feel conflicted about what you're doing that conflict can um can pull you away from the light and closer to the dark you know, if you're if you're watching Kylo Ren get real emo about him feeling like he's being pulled back to the light, there's a literal game mechanic that demonstrates that that has happened for Kylo. That he he you know he he, he didn't accumulate enough uh, conflict, and he he rolled and and, and his, his morality score went up, and he was mad about it. So uh, <laughs> you know, so all of these game mechanics, and I've since I I have played. I, there's only one version of this role-playing game for the IP that I've not GM'd and I only played in, but this is by far my favorite. And I love the West End Games version. I loved Saga, but this is the best version because nothing has given me the pure flavor of Star Wars, of cinematic narrative di- narrative storytelling, um, like the way uh, this this mechanic works. And so for those who are not familiar, if, you're, if you are familiar, I'm sorry if I'm repeating a, a lot of stuff. But the this is a custom dice game. So put away all your the, the D20s that you bought from these really awesome, <laughs> awesome yeah. third-party producers. They're all useless to you. Um, you can get the dice. Um, you can buy them directly from the company. You can um, buy a, a dice app, which is fun, uh, for about five or six bucks for Android or iOS. And it works and pretty well. It, it works that pretty great. And, and it, if you don't want to figure out what, you know, what symbols mean what, it'll, it'll do a lot of the homework for you. So it's actually more useful. The app is actually more useful than rolling the plastic dice. Especially you, for a beginner, yeah. Yeah, if if you get the beginner game, it comes with one set of 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 uh, the special dice, and that will that's all you need for the beginner game is one set. So you don't have to feel like, oh, do I need to go supplement it? You pretty much don't. Um, and you have to share dice. Now, in the era of COVID nineteen, that is a very different proposition <laughs> than it was two or three weeks ago. I mean, let's be honest. First off, what are you doing around the table together? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, All yeah. right. If, so there's if, step one. If you don't want him picking up the dice, why are you sitting two feet away? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know. So there, there is that. There is that. Now, so, now the dice themselves. I mean, they look like D12s and D8s essentially, right? They have and twelves, eights, twelve, twelves, eights, and sixes. Yeah, but so, you can't convert like, oh, I rolled a six, and that means this symbol. It's you really can. difficult. To, oh, it, you can, but you would never want to do it. 
No, it's too much convert. I no. I say you can't. You can. You're absolutely right. But it's just way too much conversion, like, already. They you have know, a chart. So. They have a chart in every book. But if you enjoy mowing the lawn with a pair of scissors. <laughs> exactly. That's uh, a great analogy. You're like, okay, here's your scissors. Go to it, man. Then we'll see you in about three weeks when you get done yeah. with the lawn. So yeah. um, just don't do it. I, you can. Um, what... When the games came out in beta format, they were releasing stickers that you could buy blank dice or existing dice that you didn't care about and cover them with stickers, and that would that would do the trick. That's no longer necessary. Um, there's there's plenty of dice available on the market. Um, they're, they're about $13, $14 for a pack of about a dozen dice. Um, I can't say it's a screaming good deal, um, but... At the same time, you don't need more than two or three packs max to play the game. Yeah. Um, you really have to be playing high-end Force users at, for multiple years in like Force and Destiny to want to get that fifth, sixth pack. You really don't need it. Um, so, and the and the app, you you could buy the app one time for six dollars and never ever ever need to mess with the plastic ever, and is perfectly great. Right. So, but how it works is, is there's positive dice and negative dice. Um, positive dice are either yellow, uh, green, or blue, and they have positive symbols on them. There are negative dice um, that are red, purple, and black, and you roll them all together. You roll the difficulty in the dice, and this is another thing that I'm becoming a big fan of, is take the charts out of the book, put the charts and the difficulties in the dice pool, and that's a lot of fun. Because as a GM, it really makes preparation very easy because you can you can make on-the-spot decisions about how difficult or complex something should be yeah. um, very simply. You can say, well, you know, uh, but it's raining. Let's throw in a setback die. Oh, you yeah. know, or this is extremely complicated in a very nuanced way. We need to really upgrade this and swap out it for the heavier duty or difficulty dice that the... the um, uh, and so there's, there, it's really great uh, for GMs. The other way it's great for GMs is um, uh, there's no level. Tri- there's no levels. Okay, so in D and D, you're level one, level two, level three. So yeah. if you have a group of six level one characters, you're not going to throw a, a, a red dragon at that at that group because they will just tra- trounce them to death. Um, that there's th- there's not really that capability in this game. Um, you kind of just, the game master just has to go with their gut feeling about how certain difficult um, obstacles, how, how that game master can make things more or less difficult. And because it's a dice pool system, if you've determined early in the encounter that, you're, that you don't want to do a, a total party kill, you can start manipulating the dice pool to give the players an edge, or right. vice versa. If they, if the players, if you think you've put together this really heavy-duty, complex or, or hard um, encounter, and you forgot that a couple of your players have really great talents and and they're they're, they're going through it like a hot knife through butter, it is very very simple to really dial up the heat on them very quickly without yeah. changing the story, without changing. Oh well, uh, you know, and now 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 a hundred more stormtroopers show up. You don't have to do that. You can make changes to the dice, dice pool on the fly, and that can be a lot of fun for the GM because the prep that I have to do as a GM is much more now on story and much less on stats. 
You know, it's interesting because they call the dice narrative dice for a reason, right? Because the dice are part of the storytelling element of the game that you're doing. What's interesting, like when you play D and D, right? And I'm going to use D and D, and and most D twenty. And we love D and D, and we love D twenty. Right? We yeah. love this stuff. And so, like, the thing is, is, like, you know, you've got your modifiers that you have because, like, if I'm really buffed up, I've got a, you know, plus five proficiency bonus, I've got my weapons bonuses, I've got my strength bonus that I'm adding in there, and then you roll your thing and you add your modifiers, and, you know, obviously the, the higher level you get, the more difficult it is to fail, right? Um, because you've got so many modifiers stacking on that, even if you roll the two, mm-hmm. it ends up being a 10 or, 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 or 12 or 15 or something for whatever reason, you know? So yeah. um, so that's kind of nice for the D20s. Um, but it, it, it's, it, A, when you're low level and you don't have all those things, you can easily fail too much. Yeah, and the D20 yeah. can beat you upside the head. Yeah. Because it has a flat probability curve. Yep, and then if you're super high level, it's almost impossible to fail on yes. a lot of things, right? And yeah. so what's interesting is the GMs have to come up with, like, high armor save characters, you know, mm-hmm. so that you have to, like, mm-hmm. beat a 25 armor class or something like that. And, or the difficulty challenge is now, like, 18 for a simple investigation, you know what I mean? Where it was like ten when they were level one. Right. Or you have to same. keep you have to keep the stat block secret because you, yeah. you don't want to let let every, the player knows that the player know know that they're immune to fire damage. Yeah. And they and keep so throwing fireballs, and you're like, okay, thanks for the fireball. Nothing yeah, happened. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, so the interesting thing with yeah. these um, narrative dice is exactly what you said. You say, all right, well, let's look at the situation here. the The pavement's slick because it was just raining. So we're going to throw in a, you know extra difficulty for you, like in, maybe in the form of a setback dice or an upgraded challenge or something like that. Um, and you can say, okay, you as a player, what are you trying to do here? You know, yeah. like in our, in our last game, Jason was the driver of the van, right? And he wanted to like maneuver the van, try to hit somebody, and at the same time it was like, spinning jetpack out of the van, jump behind a crate, and grab a weapon. I mean, it was like this crazy epic maneuver, right? And you're like, yeah, that's going to be pretty difficult. And, you know, and, and you have the flexibility as a GM to say, yeah, that's going to be very difficult for you to do. Here's what your dice pool is going to look like if you're going to try that, yeah. you know? Um, and he knows what his, his part of the dice pool is based on his talents and his, uh, and his uh, stats, you know? Um, so and, I think it does assi- give a lot of flexibility. A lot you, of flexibility. And you can tell the story by saying what dice you're throwing in the pool. Right? Yeah, exactly. You can say, exactly. well, I'm going to give you a boost die because remember we established that you knew this guy from your prior life as a, right. as, as, a as a thug. And, uh, you know, and, and there's different dice that tell you different things. There's dice that are based on your innate abilities. They're, you know, your characteristics, right? Your basic, your, your basic stats. The six basic yeah. stats, just yeah. like every other RPG. And those dice can tell you things. And then there's dice that are that are more powerful because you've been trained in a skill. And those are yellow dice. And so if your right. yellow dice are the things that's helping you win, you can say, well, clearly all of your training as a Jedi is paying off right here because you were expertly able to use your lightsaber. Or right. if all of those are getting canceled out and the only thing left is the boost die of the circumstance, and you can say, oh, the reason why this worked was because, you know, 
you shot this arrow and the wind was blowing in your direction and you would have missed but the wind just caught it and now you hit the bad guy in the eyeball and now he's dead so there's a lot you can just look at the dice pool as you play the game to give you to give the GM ideas to how to how to narrate what's happening it definitely makes it feel more epic because again when you're doing a uh, difficulty ch uh, check and it's a level 18 because you have level 20 characters that you're rolling with in D&D, &D, right? You, it's hard to be like, well, it was expertly hidden in the room that was strewn about, you know? <laughs> because right. it's like you had to up the difficulty so there was a chance of failure or something like that. But really, yeah. there's no narrative behind it. It's just that you're playing against their stats versus yeah. the story, right? And, and th there's two different dice, for those who are not familiar with, that can create what's called a triumph or what's called a despair. There's a positive game effect called a triumph. There's a 1 out of 12 chance on every positive dice that there's a triumph opportunity, which means there's certain statistical things you can do to help get a crit on a foe or you know activate some other powers that you have in your stat block, but you can also use it to inf influence the story. You can say... Um, and now because I got a triumph, um, this door comes down, and now there's a door between Darth Vader and Han Solo, and now Darth Vader can't go kill Han Solo, which was he was about to do. Yeah. And, and, and those can't be canceled out. The same with despairs. Despairs are bad things that happen to you in that same way. So in the last game we played, I did throw Darth Vader at my players because I wanted to see one of the, at least one player die that night. There's a yeah. long. I make fun of Justin because he keeps telling me that every time he plays Star <laughs> Wars, he's invincible and he can't die. Um, so, but anyway, he, Darth Vader. I rolled the dice pool in front of the players. He saw it all digitally, and he straight up got a despair. Yeah. And yeah. so, how do you adjudicate that? Well, guess what? He fell down the waterfall because the Wookiee he killed. He did kill that Wookiee, but the Wookiee in his last breath pushed him off the edge. You know, right. he, he bear hugged him, and they both went falling off the waterfall together. Um, and that's because that's you and you have to be prepared to be willing to let the dice help tell the story yeah. because if you have a narrative in your head that you can't you can't walk away from then this may not be the system for you if you really like a very structured narrative as a writer as a game master dungeon master the yeah. dice the dice will get in your way the dice will be like no oh, actually no actually your guys are are way more are doing a great job and that or in some cases, you can determine how big of a bad guy you're going to throw at at the at the good guys based on if they get a despair or not. And my players last night, two nights ago, had tallied up a couple <laughs> despairs, and I was like, "Well, That's they've right. they've gotten a couple despairs. I'm not going to throw punches. They have to deal with the Lord of Sith, and and they were tough enough to handle that. But at the yeah. same time, um, that was the dice telling the story, not me going. I'm a jerk GM, and I'm here to arm twist you into having a negative gameplay experience. So I think that there's two kind of beginner curves, right, for a like a, a new player playing here. One, learning how to read the dice quickly. Yeah. Uh, that's a really tough thing because essentially dice cancel each other out. Your good yeah. dice will cancel, your bad dice will cancel out the good dice, and you have to quickly figure out how many successes did you get, how many failures did you get, and kind of do the math on the fly. So I, that is, for a new player, probably the most difficult aspect of the game 
is mm-hmm. figuring that that part out. Um, but the other thing is, believe it or not, I think it's using your imagination to tell the story mm-hmm. according to the dice. Just exactly what we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, because what will happen is, um, this happened the night. Uh, the Grand Inquisitor said, oh dear, I'm bugging out. You guys are a little tough for me. Um, because Darth Vader decided to bug out. So he jumped out of the, this uh, waterfall thing, and he was using his lightsaber like a helicopter thing, which we established was canon. It's canon. Because it was, <laughs> because it was in the, it was in the uh, Rebels. Rebels cartoon. That yes, is, exactly. That's a canon move. It had a game so effect. He, yeah, so I he was using <laughs> exactly. So he was using that as a uh, as a little like rotating helicopter thing. If it, if anything, just to float down to the other level. And I went to go shoot him, and I missed him. But I got a whole bunch of advantages, which allowed me to um, kind of s- shift the narrative a little bit because I still got a bunch of advantages, right? And so as a player, I had to come up with what was happening in the story. Because yeah. the dice were telling me, "Hey, player, you didn't get, you didn't succeed, but you got enough of other good rolls to help you adjust the story a little bit." And so I had to think quickly on the fly, and I said, "Okay, well, I didn't hit him. That's that's the first thing I established, right? I did not shoot him, but I got something really good. So I I told you, the GM, I want to shoot the lightsaber, <laughs> right? I'm like, that he's okay. flying with, and." So it doesn't shoot him or injure him because I, I failed on that, but it still does something good. And sure enough, it shot him, and then he fell ten stories right into the water. It's um, the same basic effect, but you know, you as a marksman, your character is a markswoman, mm-hmm. actually, yep. missed. But you got six advantage, which is a crazy stack of advantage, which yeah. is like mind-blowing. You're like, well, this is a payday amount of advantage, but you just yeah. can't. The, what you're going to tell me, you can't shoot this character. You're like, well... I'll shoot the, his basically his vehicle, and yeah. um, and that was great, and yeah. and so um, you have to be. And so coming up with that on the fly is hard for a new player, I think. Yes. Because it's they're not so, used to it. You don't get it. You don't get to drive the story like that in a D and D game. Right, and so some GMs are okay taking over the narrative for the player, and uh, that's cool for the group, especially with new players. I've seen that. I've seen areas where it's like, no, 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 this is my role. I want to decide what, what I want to do with it. Yeah. You just have to kind of feel out. Or as a GM, what you can do is you can say, well, you could spend it this way if you wanted to and give them a choice. That way they have agency. Yeah. Or and, some rails, right? Like with three successes, this is the type of things that you could do. With you know six successes, you can yeah. kind of tell me all these things that you can do, that type of thing. So. Yeah, and, and, and so you just get used to it. You know, the math is really not that bad because you're never usually dealing more than a number higher than 10. I mean, it's yeah. really strange to get 10 pips of one thing. So you're counting on your fingers and subtracting on the fly based on the roll. And there's apps and there's online rollers that'll do it for you instantaneously if that really bugs you. So there's certainly great ways around that yeah. if it bothers you. But um, the creative piece of going, okay, well, you know, the way the dice work, for those who may not be familiar, you can determine success or failure just like any other die roll, but then there's advantage or threat. So there's a second access. So you can fail with a lot of advantage or you can succeed with a lot of threat, right? Um, You know, Han Solo successfully scared off one stormtrooper down the hallway and then he realized there was a room full of stormtroopers he was chasing him into, and that was threat, right? So he succeeded with threat. And then there's another vector, 
which is the triumph and despair thing we already talked about before. Yeah. So anytime you roll the dice, you can uh, you can fail, get advantage, and also have a despair, or some yeah. combination of those six vectors. And for me, as a GM and as a player, that's so much more fun for me than just oh, yeah. a binary succeed or failure. And I know there's success or failure. I know there's some games like Shadows of the Demon Lord where it's trying to help you get to that resolution faster. They're like, yeah, you right. succeeded, keep going. No, you failed, don't worry about it. Let's, let's yep. go to the next thing. And this is the opposite because it takes longer to adjudicate. Um, but at the same time, the weirdest stuff can happen in a game that's, yeah, that turns out to be so epic. Yeah, a lot more nuance in, in the situation, right? Yeah, like the GM so. who's running Star Wars episode, A New Hope, Episode 4. Well, yeah, you successfully scared off those two troops, but because you ran into a room full of 100 troops, now you're in real trouble. If I was doing that in another system, I would look like a total jerk. I'd yeah. be like, well, look what I can do. I'm god of this universe. Here's 100 bad guys to deal with. But in this case, it's the dice telling you. And, and yeah. that's that's the social contract that everybody's going to go along with what, what comes out of the dice. That's interesting. You're almost playing against the dice rather than the GM in a sense, right? Absolutely. So, and the GM, yeah. it's a, for me, a G, if you're a GM, you're also a player. Yeah. And as a, as it's, for me, it's more fun to GM this type of game than it is a few other types um, that I, that I played because it, it, it it throws me curveballs every time, and I can't predict what's going to happen. Anytime somebody picks up the dice and drops them, I can think I know what's going to happen. Yeah. But two, you know, one out of three times, I'm completely wrong, and that, yeah, there's, that's there's probabilities, that's of, of course, right? That you, that you you think something's going to happen, but you know, you could just get some some good dice rolls or really bad ones. You just never know. Yeah, like um, we would be counseling a player, and then do this, and then do this. You'll get all these extra boost dice. And you're just going to pwn this bad guy. You're just going to ruin that guy's day. <laughs> he drops the dice and it's full of blanks on the good side. And he bar- he barely tapped the bad guy. And you're like, yeah. oh, well, that sucked. <laughs> that, just, you whiffed bad. Dude. You whiffed. I don't to tell you, man. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let me ask you this. On a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rate Star Wars RPG in, in terms of, uh, of fun? You're talking to the wrong guy. I mean, I it's I like saying, do you love your children? Well, yes, yes, I love my children. I love them so much. I can't not love them. What are you? What are you talking about? Oh, I um, do. I, I know. I know. I know. Um, so let's get, let me, let let me, me tell the you, Dan Pomeroy. Give me the Dan Pomeroy is going to be like a fifteen, right? Let me tell you. Let me tell you why it's fun. It's fun when you're starting out with in the beginner box, and it's fun when you've played a two or three year campaign with high level characters. Even though it's a lot of dice and it's a lot of more rules that you're adjudicating. It, it, it has that level of depth. There's a lot of RPGs out there that are really fun to play that are only have one or two books, and then you're like, oh, well, I've, there's nothing else in this that's interesting for me because I've kind of squeezed, right. I've, I've gotten all the juice out of these three books, and now I'm bored. This is a role, there's three role-playing game lines here. There's extra supplements. The game is going to continue on in the hands of another publisher, and it is just as deep and complex as any hardcore rpg that you would want or you can dumb it down and you can play the beginner box and have a blast every note you can play between the beginner game and having you know uber powerful force god characters you're going to have a good time and um and, and and that's great and the characters really matter and and you don't feel like you're just playing a stat block you feel like you're playing a character 
and no character can be good at everything. You're going to suck at something. And, yeah. um, and that's fun too, is, is knowing where your weaknesses are. And I, I, it just always holds up for me as, and, and it always feels like you're playing, you're, you're inside of a star Wars show or movie. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what's fun for me. The, you can, you can play as a newbie. I played it with my kids. They like it. Um, we don't play it all the time, but they played it and, and enjoyed it. And I played it with my, you know, hardcore gamer friends at a multi-year Force and Destiny campaign where everybody was was picking up and throwing very large objects around with the Force. And it's still it's still the same game, and it's still great. Um, you can get actually, I think it's easier to get to the feeling of a level twenty character in Star Wars than playing actual D&D and trying to get to level 20 from yeah, level yeah, 1. You will, you will be able to do some cool stuff after six or eight months of play um, if you opt if you really plan your character out. So it is fun. And I I, I had a, a lady who worked for me at work. She's like, yeah, my husband bought this beginner game called Star Wars. And, and I, started, oh, no. I started salivating. And she's like, it was us and like two other couples and we had the best time ever. And she's like, my husband thinks we should play a campaign. I'm not sure if I want to do that. I'm like, if he wants to run a campaign, he can borrow all of my books anytime. I mean, I'm here she to She didn't help. know what she was getting into when she like, brought it up with you. I'm like, I don't think you understand that this is my main hobby in life and the thing that I do for fun. And um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm hooked on it, but I think it has good reason. And the people who love it, love it for a reason. It doesn't have the same um, notoriety as uh, D&D, but the IP is more accessible. Yeah, The IP is way more accessible. It's really easy to get a feel for what's happening in the Star Wars universe be- between all the movies and all the video games and TV shows. It's almost right. imp- impossible I've only played with one person, and that was in college. I was like, okay, so you've seen Star Wars, right? She's like, no. (laughs) I was like, I don't know what to do with you at the table. I don't know how to help you. She's like, I just want to play a character with powers. And I'm like, okay, you're a Jedi. She's like, a what? And I'm like, oh, "Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm like... I don't know how to help you. It's a, it was the the cute girlfriend of one of my buddies, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but but that's a great thing. Uh, that's another that's another thing that makes it fun is the barrier to the barrier to entry for the story is so low. Yeah. You know, I mean. It, yeah, that's it's it's very true, very true. So. Well, um, like we said before, um, there's Force and Destiny, Age of Resistance, Edge of Empire. Age of Rebellion. Age of Rebellion. Oh, sorry, Age of Rebellion. Um, and we are going to probably do some deep dives in the future on those to really flesh them out and kind of you know be able to to cut, contrast and compare a little bit uh, between the different systems. But if you are interested in Star Wars RPG, pick up a beginner box, try it out with you know four or five of your best friends. And I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. It's 20 bucks that um, split amongst five people is way cheaper to than a movie or a dinner out, and you will have a great time. So check it out. And um, with that, I think that we're going to wrap up this show, this week's show. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for yeah. holding on to the end. I know we went a little long. I apologize. No, it's okay. It's, uh, it's a great system. We had a lot of fun news, and uh, we'll catch you all next week. Later, Gators. Our- Have a good one. See you, Mike.